I think it's time to uh, check in with Coach Ed Ogeron, the former head coach of the LSU Tigers, for a live one. Yeah, before we begin today, that's a good idea. Let's do that. Ladies and gentlemen, the state champion of Louisiana, also national champion. He won many state championships at LSU. Coach Ed Ogeron. Coach, how you doing, buddy? Uh, you know, I'm, I'm terrific, baby. I'm, I'm tremendous, you know. Great day. And um, I'm proud to be state champion, you know. I mean, I, I beat you all Monroe and um, Southeastern, all them, all them directional schools, everybody. Yeah, I whipped, whipped their ass. Go Tigers. You, you did whip their ass, Coach. You've never lost one state championship, and I will never forget. The drunk neighbor loves you for that. You always held it down in Louisiana, and you won the big one. Look, it didn't work out after the fact, but that's okay. Coach, I have you in studio today to talk about closer, and I know you're a baseball guy. You know, you're a big fan of that Mariano Rivera, right? Oh, hell yeah, baby. I got to see him play, man. He He's crunk, man. I mean, I tell you right now, lights out, baby. Mariano Rivera is crunk. Where'd you saw him at Yankee Stadium? Yeah, baby. The uh, you know the, the the previous incarnation of it uh, back in uh, 2000, 2002, I think it was. Go Tigers. Good. Uh, no correction there. It's okay, coach. Just let it fly, baby. So, uh, yeah, no, I'm, I'm not a fan of closer, uh, which we'll be getting into today. But if I was, though, I would want a replica or a doppelganger of Rivera because when he came in, he closed the door. But, Coach, as we see... These oh, yeah, closers, baby. That's it, baby. Done. Game done. over. Game over. All your bets are won. But, Coach, there's a lot other, too, when it comes to closing. I mean, I know you know a lot about that. I know when you're talking to a lady, walk me through that. How do you close the deal there on that one? Oh, you know, like, kind of like uh, Mr. Ghetto or Wally, Wally, Wally World, Wally World, you know. I mean, I just go up to him, like, what's your name? What's your number, girl? You know, and, like, no, I'm just kidding. You know, Coach, you got a little more game than that, but... um. You know, look, you got to, you know, you got to go from like the, the lunch date to like, you know, the, the dinner date to the to the one night stand. You can be like, hey, baby, why don't you come down to my hunting camp? You know, I'm going to show you some crocodiles. I mean, I mean, uh, well, yeah, alligators and stuff, you know, and uh, they don't know the difference. You show that hairy mongoose at the hunting camp? Is that what I'm hearing? Well, yeah, yeah. You know, and, um, you know, I, <laughs> Coach O been down under too, you know, so I wanted to, you know, I wrestled me some gators growing up in the bayou. So I went down there in Australia and wrestle me some of them big old saltwater crocs and whooped our ass too, baby. So you whooped the saltwater, the saltwater crocs ass, McNeese State's ass, Monroe, Southeast, all these people, coach. We love it, man. I'm glad you closed deals with the women uh, in the oh. hunting camp. I like that a lot. Oh, yeah, baby. You know, <laughs> that's right. You know, come on, let's go, baby. Coach, man, before we go real quick, give us one, before we let you go, give us one real quick snare and give me some of that bass real quick i need it come on one time oh yeah you know that's that's another thing man them chicks you know when you're driving around lafitte baby and you you got your white boots on and everything and them cajun girls you know they be walking around under the spanish moss and all that they hear your truck go by and they hear the <laughs> you know i mean that, that just gets them baby makes them moist every time go talk to them. i am Thanks, coach, coach. O, bitch what was that i'm sorry i am coach O, bitch go tigers Go Tigers. Computer cycles. We'll lose part of the system for a while. You know, there's a finite amount of memory. You can't use it for everything. We're gonna compile for half an hour. Go ahead. All of you. I'm approaching the Tyrannosaur paddock.
Welcome to the Sports Antidote, episode number 106, the Closer Payback Program. Oh, that's right. These events were inspired after what happened to me on Sunday night, Sunday Night Baseball. I'll tell you all about it. Sing it, Kenny! Kenny Loggins, ladies and gentlemen. Always very punctual, unlike your host here. Anyway, I'm going to talk about the disparity between Major League Baseball closers, the pay that they make, and everyone that actually has to close in real life. I'm not going to tie in Glenn Gary and Glenn Ross to this one, don't worry. We've done that many times. This one will be good. I have a good story about a friend of mine closing in a high-level software sales atmosphere, and we'll get nitty-gritty when it comes down to the Major League closer. Oh, I'll tell you all about it. Tommy Bench is out. Bro Exotic is in. Talked about a drive-by shooting in his text message. Very somber. I don't know if this one's going to be as woke as usual, but something leads me to believe there is an element of wokeness that is upon me uh, with the pending interview with him. Good one coming for you today. No matter how you look at it, I'll give you a reprieve from the politics and, you know, the current administration. Everything's going just so well. We'll just talk about stuff other than that, even though some of you don't like it, some of you like it. I love it. Doesn't matter. My show, self-aggrandizing podcast. So there you go. Be sure and rate, subscribe, and review. Follow us at The Sports Antelope, please, and reach out and touch a brother and tell somebody about The Sports Antelope today. Oh, I've been looking forward to this one. I was going to do this one in like August, but these events just got sprung right into motion. Oh, before we begin, thanks to Coach O coming on the show, telling us about how he closes with women and his hunting camp down there in South Lafouche with his hairy mongoose. I believe if I had to summarize that in the cliff notes, that's what I heard. I don't know what you did, but whatever. <laughs> it's all in the eye of the listener, right? Perception, the whole listening thing. I don't know much about that. <clears throat> so, Major League Closer. Well, I'm not a big fan. I never have been. I think it's the dumbest position in the world. I'll get into my opinion on Closer, but then I'll get into some hard, non-opinionary things. Uh, that's not even a word, but whatever. The data on closing and the disparity between what these guys are making and what they're accomplishing and what they're guaranteed, and it is, there's really nothing like this in sports, in professional sports across the world, for that matter. Can you be so rich and be such a failure uh, constantly and yet make all this money and, and retain your job? I mean, a closer, if you didn't know, comes into a position in the ninth inning usually with a lead of one, two, or even three runs to procure this thing called, or preserve a stat called a save. And that just means you have to get three people out while retaining the lead. Shouldn't be that difficult. Oh, but it is. It's wildly difficult. I have an acronym for closer. Costly, lazy, obsolete, stupid, erasable, reversible. Yes, I believe that's the correct acronym, even though it, I, you know, it's not really the, oh, it's so witty. But really it is uh, because closer, actually that wouldn't be considered an acronym, but whatever. At the same time, I just do not understand how this works. And I'll get into a lot of that. And perfect timing. We're in the dog days of summer. Some of you watch baseball. I certainly do. Some of you bet baseball. I may or may not. I don't know. Bed, bath, and beyond. Of course I bet baseball. Who doesn't? But anyhow, let's just get into this right now. So you see... I have a friend of mine who is in a very, very, very unique form of software sales. And I mean unique as in this is like one of a kind. Their company has about 50 people and they will do over $100 million in sales. I know you're, nah, that's impossible. No, it's not. 
Not when you have something created organically by a smart group of people who then are smart enough to surround themselves with other smart people that can do what it is you need to do. Company name is irrelevant. I've known this guy for a bit. We don't really talk that much. Kind of text during football season. He's a big Packers fan. Not from Green Bay, but he is a fan. Not even from Wisconsin. He's from Alabama. Loser. And I asked him to come on here. Uh, but of course, again, that's just, that'd be a bit much. But at the same time, I, he was full green light on uh, talking about this. It's, I mean, what's he going to say? I'm not mentioning the company, but they have a very unique situation over there. You see, they have a select group of people that are already wildly tech savvy. See, in order to play Major League Baseball, at some point you're going to have to play in the minors. In order to play in the minors, I think most people think like, yeah, you know the minors. Yeah, it's just the best players in the world getting groomed to play with the best of the best in the world. If you get drafted in the top 50 rounds and play single A for the Roanoke Uncle Fuckies, I don't care what they're called. You're probably the best high school player within 100 miles of your high school. So any type of pro baseball, you're really, really good at baseball and stuff. So in his case, in order to even be in this sales role, you have to be extremely tech savvy. Just like if you're going to get into the big leagues, you'd have to be really good in their farm system unless you're like some lottery first rounder. In other words, to graduate into that level of professional play, one would have to prove themselves. So it's not like anyone can just play minor league baseball and then go to the pros as so it is. No one can just step into this company and because you think you can swing a bat or throw a ball or sell something, then you can play pro ball here and or more importantly, sell for this company. It does not work like that. You already have to be wildly tech savvy, which eliminates about 99% of the world. Oh, and by the way, you can't just be tech savvy. You have to be able to sell. So we've talked about these hybrids before. You have to be a hybrid, wildly technical savvy, while you also have to have the prowess and the, not just on the prowess out of context there, but you have to have the ability to be able to close. But in this instance, it's a little different. Closing's one thing. You see, their sales process is about one year. For those of you who don't know, the gestation process... (laughs) The gestation period for a young salesman, for a sale and a process of which getting in there, you know, one month's a while, two months, one year is very long. Uh, And there's only so many companies these guys can call on. So your prospects are wildly limited and your hit rate, your close rate needs to be wildly high, like 100%. Because if you put all this time and effort into something for a year, and that tree bears no fruit, thou shalt starve, right? So in this guy's case, pretty good salaried position, very good salaried position, but in order to really make the money, you're going to have to come through with these closes. Now, the owners of the company are the three people that do the actual closing. Let me break this down for you. See, if you've worked in a restaurant before, there's always a POS system, and no, it's not a piece of shit, although it operates the same way. It's a point-of-sale program. Aloha, Micros, in the club world, it used to be Club Connect, in the private clubs, horrible. That, that was a piece of shit system, but Aloha, pretty good. Micros, really good, in my opinion. 
but there's always one waiter that knows really the intricacies of the POS system. Like it does way more than just take an order, print out a ticket, blah, 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 separate the cash sales from the credit card sales, and you balance that at the end, right? You know, just like your iPhone and your Android does way, way, way more than you think it does. That could like convert the yen to hot dogs. If you're trying to barter that for some denarii in South India, it can do all these things. You don't have any idea what it can do or the rupee or whatever the hell. In other words, your phone can do a lot, but we use it for very, you know, primitive functions such as internet porn, (laughs) things like that. So you see, what I'm saying is, is that just as the POS system in a restaurant is much like this system that they sell. So he understands his quote unquote POS, what it is they sell, but not nearly to the intricacy of what the, the intricacy of what the inventors, these three guys, built this thing to do. These guys link up to hospitals, but it has to be a massive hospital chain. And like I said, there's only so many of these out there. And once again, for the last time, the software and the use is irrelevant to this discussion. So When they get someone on the hook, okay, then it's going to take about six months to run this trial period that they're going to go ahead and assume a massive cost on. So they're going to eat it up front. They close at such a high rate, they don't mind eating it up front. And he told me it's a lot of money for them to risk in this trial-free period, which is usually about six months. And after the six months, it's run its course. It looks like their product is superior to that of their competition or whatever it is they're using or something similar. And after that, there's another phase that comes in. And inevitably, after about a year, then they get the big contract, a decade, 10-year contract. Good luck selling that. I don't know how they do that. God, that's incredible. And they do. And of course, as software evolves, so does their ability behind you know their, their mainframes and such. And they're able to evolve accordingly with their customers. But In this guy's case, even though he knows so much about this product, even he is still not nearly as fit to close as these ringers. So they bring these guys in. You see, when you have one, now they monitor the process. They're actually the owners of the company. They're very hands-on. I met one one time at Applebee's during COVID with this guy because the Applebee's was the only place that was open in Dothan, Alabama. Oh, yeah. Interesting. That was. I stuck with the Caesar salad. It was amazing. Anyway. So, it's starting to really rain outside now, so forgive the thunder and lightning. I'm about to bring the thunder and lightning. So, you see, so when the process has drawn the correct the amount of uh, viewer, the eyes on it that it needs, and when they've come to the conclusion that they are ready to close post this trial slash pilot that they run, there's a mountain of data that they get together in this huge comprehensive business case. I thought that what I do is comprehensive. This is serious, crazy. And they get in front of a really, really smart guy in IT, and then the CEO will be there. It's a C-level sell, for sure. And then they're going to try to pitch. Now, the question is, why couldn't this guy just do it? And like I said, you need to not just know how to get through the POS system in the restaurant. You want to be the, you got to be the inventor of the actual software. These guys come in, and then they have you know, those wars. And like I said about the minor leagues in baseball, in order to play the minors, you have to be awesome. In order to sell for this company at the level he does, you still have to be incredible, but they bring in these guys to negotiate some things and to close the deal well recently. And one that took really long with an old customer of mine who was based out of Houston, 
one of the biggest hospital chains regionally in the country. As they continue to grow, they thought they had these guys locked and loaded, ready to be picked off the tree, into the bucket, into the kitchen, into the oven, into the stomach. (laughs) Out the asshole. Because (laughs) what happened was, is they did not get the deal. He's been working with this company for five years. He is 15 of 15, basically, coming into this one. Six years, excuse me. And this one did not go through. They close at almost 95%. It's not when they do close, it's when they don't. That's what makes news. Like Alabama, when they lose, it's news. I've always been saying that. You know, when the Patriots don't do something deep into the playoffs with Tom Brady, it's news. Like, you know you're good when you lose and it makes the ticker on MSNBC, let alone ESPN. So this brings a very interesting question, why? Why didn't it go through? And they missed a very specific detail we've talked about on this show. Very, very, something they should not have missed. They did not identify a certain buying presence. This is sales 101. You're sitting down to close. You better know all the buying presence available and that are involved in this sales process from soup to nuts. Because if you don't, I'm speaking from firsthand experience, you will get torpedoed and you will sink. Uh, someone will come in, oh, you didn't involve me in this one? Especially if it's a woman. <laughs> and they will really give, you, give it to you. Um, <laughs> but at the same time, they got crushed, unidentified buying presence. This is a monster red flag, nearly in any type of sales you're in. It'd be like not having the game film for a quarterback or having the game film for a quarterback, and all of a sudden, instead of this guy, uh, you know, Jalen Hurts, it's Tua, like it happened in the national championship, and then all of a sudden, the lefty starts chunking away. We have no tape on this guy. We weren't ready and all this, and that is kind of what it's like And this, and they did not get the sale, and this guy closes, I mean, literally, almost. It's like Steph Curry at the free throw line, right? And it didn't, it didn't happen. Why? Well, I told you why, but the thing is that's acceptable in their line of work because if you're closing nearly anything 90 plus, that's good. That's really good. That's almost the best I've ever heard. So they're able to do that. They'll learn from their very elementary sales one-on-one mistake, probably not have that happen to them again and move forward accordingly. Unfortunately, things are different when it comes to Major League Baseball. So this is really how this looks. Again, I know I've already said it, but really what happens is is a team hands you the baseball in a very manageable, winnable, and secure situation. You have the lead. You just have to get three outs here in the top or the bottom of the ninth inning. Uh, and, you know, this is, this is basically it. Get these outs, you get the win, you get a save. Woo! You see... But they turn it into a very unmanageable, insecure, and unwinnable position within seconds. So the proposition now goes from save to blown save. And this happens basically overnight. Usually it starts off with a leadoff walk. Closers like to do a lot. Here's what they really like to do. They like to throw fastballs. And they throw them really hard down the middle. Really don't really have any location. Closers also have this really ridiculous ritual that they do. It's really stupid. There's a bunch of them. Craig, 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 Craig Kimbrell like holds his arm. Or, you know, have you seen Kimbrell? Just Google Craig Kimbrell and you can see this goofy thing that he does. You know, there's Fernando Rodney. 
idiot who used to wear his hat tilted to the side because he has to do his thing, yo. I could not stand this man. We'll get into him in one second. And everyone else that's a closer has their ritual, but there's an epic cost to their failure. And in other sports, you really don't see this. The closest thing to closer in football would be a kicker, okay? Usually it just comes down to a guy that's kind of irrelevant for most of the game. All the gridirons played, and after 59 minutes, 46 seconds of blood spilled on the field, it comes down to a 5'9 guy with a thick leg, right? And, you know, a kicker that makes these game-winning kicks will find his way kicking a lot. Kickers that don't make these kicks will find their way out of football. But for some reason in Major League Baseball, you can continuously blow saves and you stick around forever. It really is unbelievable. It should be studied by NASA. I believe we spoke about that. The Angels should be studied by NASA. I think there's some closers. You may be able to find the cure for God knows what within the DNA of the closer because it's just that ridiculous of a position. And it's ridiculous because we've made it to be that ridiculous because we've created this falsehood that the last three outs are the hardest to come by. That is the dumbest thing I have ever heard in sports, period. That is about as stupid as it gets. So am I to believe that if I'm a hitter and I ask, so tell me the difference between your first at bat in the first and let's say your last one in the night. Yeah, you don't really care about the first at bat. I mean, it's just the first inning. I don't really care. But when it's the ninth inning, that's when I really start to hit. No, that's not really how it works. See, if anything, the last three outs would almost be easier to come by, especially in a close game because the hitter is going to be a lot less loose, a little more tense, you'd think. And the the logic behind that is so backwards and so not even – I don't even know. It's 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 not even medieval. It's 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 not even Neanderthal. It's so low level sports IQ. They're the hardest three to come by. Yeah, sure they are. No, they're not. They're just three more outs. All right, the seventeenth, eighteenth, and nineteenth out are just as hard as the twenty sixth, twenty or the twenty fifth, twenty sixth, and twenty seventh out in a nine inning game. There's no arguing that. There's no data to support anything otherwise. What about if you see seven, eight, nine in the lineup? What about that? As opposed to seeing one, two, three, or I don't know, three, four, five in the third or something. See, so there's nothing behind that. And then right there, it creates this fallacy that this is why there's such an important position. Don't take my word for it, though. Let's look at some of the numbers. Let's talk about Fernando Rodney. I just mentioned him. See, he bounced around from team to team like a locust wearing his hat sideways with his stupid little smile. And then after he was done closing a game, air quotes, he would point a fake bow and arrow up in the air and pull it like he was some sort of archer. Ooh, how funny. Uh, He actually, in 2012, had a pretty good year. Some people out there smoked enough methamphetamine to give him MVP votes. MVP votes for a closer? Smell the bottom of the pool. Okay, you need to be... You need to be evaluated, clinically evaluated, to put in the institution that I should be in (laughs) currently. MVP, okay. So Fernando Rodney makes over $42 million in this career of him bouncing around like a locust to the next field to deplete this team of all resources and then leave, kind of like the, you know, far left person does in their blue state right now to red states. Fact. Anyhow, so what happens here is... (laughs) Rodney ends up with a 3.8 ERA. 3.8 ERA. That is horrible. Horrible. But yet, the entire game, the way we think it is, is put this ball in this guy's hands 
and he can go out here and maybe give it up. Or in the words of uh, Kevin Costner, Bull Durham, no, no, serve it up. That's right, serve it on up. Go ahead and give up a 700-foot home run because me closer, me throw fastball, me throw hard. And me walk people and me get jacked all over the place because I'm a worthless cuck. This is what Fernando Rodney was to the utmost. But there's a ton of other people that have these ridiculous statistics. See, a closer's ERA should be really low. You'd think, I mean, it's the most important thing, right? I mean, it's the last person. It's the last person to come in a game to secure the victory. This is kind of the mentality that we built with this person, again, on the fallacy that the last three outs are the hardest to come by. Closer's been around forever. Recently, in the last 15 years, it's really became a high-paid position, which to me is really ridiculous in itself. A closer should really only be on a good team. Who cares about closing a game on a bad team? See, in baseball, there's not many 500 teams. You're either good or you're really bad. There's a bunch of, there's not many teams on that 82 and 82 track or whatever it is in there, 81 and 81 or I always make 162 games. Yeah. So that's kind of a weird thing in itself for certain teams to even have this position, albeit as obsolete as I think it is. It's very difficult to manage your way around this. Explain to me the importance of closer because we've made it something that it is. So right now, if you look at the ERAs of closers, you'll see young Josh Hader up there with a 1.09 ERA for the Brewers. That is really good. He's blown one save in 25 attempts. His save percentage is 97%. Okay, this guy's thrown 24 innings, basically perfect. Strikes out 6-1 to one to walk, so he doesn't like to really walk people. He likes to strike out people. That's a good thing if you're a closer. See, we don't want base runners. Strikeouts are good. And Hader makes $11 million a year. That seems like that'd be about right. Okay, I'll concede to it in certain points. The Brewers are a good team. The Brewers can win a World Series. The Brewers are probably one of the best teams in the National League. They're going to be ahead a lot in games. So maybe it makes sense to have someone completely filthy like Hader come in to throw 98-mile-an-hour two-seamers and cutters that are moving around. No one knows how to hit it. The catcher can barely catch it, and he strikes everyone out. That makes sense to me. $11 million seems pretty reasonable, doesn't it? Yeah. So in that every instance, does it not make sense when this guy's closing nearly every single time? He's closing 97% of his games this year. So much like the other person I spoke of, it's not when they're closing, it's when they don't. Because when Hader doesn't, it makes the news. Like when Alabama loses. Because it's news because he does it every single time. The same cannot be said about other closers these days. Craig Kimbrell, like I've talked about. Not long ago, the Cubs gave him $43 million dollars. In a four-year deal, $43 million guaranteed. <laughs> no, just, I'm not drunk, I swear to God. They did that. And I don't know who drew that one up. Was it Epstein? I have no idea. Not that Epstein. Theo Epstein. But at the same time, I mean, that is absolutely outrageous. Kimbrell was above average barely for the Cubs. No, but they won the World Series. Yeah, what? I can justify that all you want. Closer never won nobody a World Series. I'll give Mariano Rivera his due. That's the only closer. Unless Josh Hader can continue on this, this streak for 15 more years and they start winning some hardware, I'll concede to that. But Rivera, yeah, he was probably responsible. For some, he, well, he blew the one versus Arizona, but that's just one time. But it's very rare that you get a closer that is consistent 
And the way they get paid to me just doesn't equate at all with reality, at all. Kimbrel makes right now $16 million a year. So you'd think Kimbrel's ERA would be really high, right? Or low and high in the rankings. No, it's right there in the middle. His ERA is 4.13. That is absurd for a closer for a good team, which means you have all these opportunities to get saves because your team's typically going to be up. Tisa's teams that may actually need a closer, okay? Most of Major League Baseball does not. But the Dodgers would certainly qualify as a team that would, being is where they win two out of three games that they play throughout the course of a year. Kimbrell uh, has blown four saves this year. His ERA is out of control. His whip, which is runs, hits on innings pitched, that acronym, is wildly high in the bottom 10. So basically what this shows is that no matter what he's doing, there's always people present on base. That's not good if you're a closer as you want to be putting people down. He does not do that, yet he's one of the highest paid players in Major League Baseball, and so is Kenley Jensen. And recently on Sunday, if you didn't see the third trimester abortion that was the Dodgers playing the Braves in Atlanta. See, they swapped closers. Kimber was with the Braves forever. He left a while ago. Now he's with the Dodgers. And Jensen recently just left the Dodgers to go play for the Braves. And they pay him $17.2 million a year in one-year deal, all guaranteed. Braves coming off a World Series victory. The Braves are a pretty good team. They're going to be ahead a lot. So maybe they're one of those, you know, 15, no, excuse me, 10 teams out of the 30 that may need a closer, I guess. Kenley Jensen, one of the highest paid players per appearance in professional sports currently. His ERA must be really low, right? But no, it's 3.58, but he's 4-0. and That's a good thing, right? No, it's not. That means he's blown four saves, and that way he's 4-1 and after that last one. And they're able to get the lead at some point. And then since he's the last pitcher on a really stupid statistic in baseball for a closer, he gets the win when all actuality he took the win away from someone else when they had the lead and gets that dubious statistic on his stat sheet in 32 innings pitched. He's been just about as disastrous as it gets in a late baseball game. 16, well, it's actually 16 million, not 17.2, but if you do the rough math, let's see. So there's 82 games in a, in a year. So far, he's appeared in 32, so if you annualize that, carry the one, I actually did this on a calculator, then he makes 1.9, excuse me, $195,121 per game so far. We're going to pay that man a fifth of a million dollars to come on this mound and basically blow 30% of the save opportunities that he gets. On what planet is this acceptable? I'm serious. I've never seen anything like this in my life. You You should be closing everything around Josh Hader at that point. Certainly in the 90s, at least in the 80s. And it made me to believe, well, maybe these guys are just the outlier. Nay, in the last 20 years, 20, collectively the average closing rate in Major League Baseball is 63%, 63% playoffs? 63%? Oh, Josh Hader is in a league of his own right now, all right? Because he does his job. He He get baseball. He throw baseball real fast over plate. He strike out guy with bat when he throw ball. See, not all of them can do that, particularly not, particularly not in the way that he can. And if you break down more and more of these closers, 
you'll begin to see the reports really mean absolutely nothing. There's a guy for the Indians, Emmanuel Clase. He's really good. He makes $5 million over the course, $20 million in a five-year deal. So he makes $4 million. That's about right because the Indians are pretty consistent. They win. They're in a lot of close games and they win those. But you're paying a guy on basically a winning team to try to win a very winnable division for them right now. His ERA, 1.39. His save percentage, 90%. That's about right. Closing the door, 9 out of 10 times he comes in, the game is over. And think of this. If you're up 3 to nothing and you come on as a closer, you can surrender two runs and still get a save. <laughs> Dumbest statistic in sports. Save. Like a block shot in basketball. Don't even get me started on that. How many times did you foul? How many times did you leave your feet? Do we keep track of that? Track of that? How many times did you jump up and try to block a shot and take yourself out of the play? Oh, we don't track that. Well, we should in basketball because you're not you're about as worthless as it gets in basketball when you leave your feet and the guy you're guarding hasn't. Anyway, so we see the closing rate not as high as it is for the guys making all this money. And this is what makes my head spin. Because looking back to my initial example, you can clearly see you're not going to get them all, but you're making a lot of money when you do, so we can withstand and endure the times when a closer does not close when you're a Josh Hader, okay, when you're a Clace, when you're guys like that, or even, you know, the guy Rogers for the Padres. He's at 84%, 2.80RA. He doesn't make nearly what these other guys make. I could go down, I could just read you off names and how much money they make. That wouldn't really do anything for us. But to really show and explore the studio space on how stupid this position is, let's talk about the guy for the Chicago White Sox. Here's another one. The White Sox are a losing team with an idiot manager in La Russa. And a game passed him by around the time when Moses came down that mountain with the Ten Commandments. Wasn't exactly yesterday. Liam Hendricks. Stupid name anyway. Liam Hendricks. Stupid name anyway. He makes $13.3 million a year. Right now, the White Sox are worried about money. All right, well, Hendricks ERA, 2.81. Not that good, not that bad. 16 saves, okay. Save percentage, 84%. He makes right around that area in which this is something you let go. You're not in contention. You're the Chicago White Sox. Why are you paying this man all this money? Oh, that's right. You locked him in on all this guaranteed money. That's another thing that's happened. Closers get all this guaranteed money, which is going to bring us to the title of the show of the Closer Payback Program. But I'm not going to stop now. I'm on a roll. Let's just keep going. So let's talk about the teams that are really, really, really bad, right? I mean, the ones that are a real dumpster fire. (laughs) Along with my Cardinals over 86 and a half wins bet, I also have off the podcast, off the record, I have... The Oakland A's under 69 and a half wins. They won't whiff 60 wins. They may not win 57 games. They're horrible. They have the lowest payroll, once again, in Major League Baseball, even lower than that of the Tampa Rays. But unlike Tampa, these guys are in the basement, and they're horrible. The Oakland A's are, and they actually have a closer. This is is what makes my head really hurt here. Again, because we've made this position to be a high-paid position where not every team should, A, have a closer, B, it's obsolete, as I've said. And C, you're making way too much money unless you're one of the few people I mentioned earlier. This is probably the most, the loudest of all. I'd like to introduce you to Lou Trevino. No relation to Lee. Lou Trevino plays for the Oakland A's. The Oakland A's are horrible. Once again, 
<laughs> They're horrible. So a closer is supposed to preserve leads that you have. So already, if you're the Oakland A's, why the hell do we even have one? It's kind of like tits on a turtle. Very unnecessary, right? I don't understand why you'd need that. Two tits on a turtle. Why do the Oakland A's need a closer? I have no idea. Maybe you can help me out there. Lou Trevino, don't call him Lee's ERA is 7.17. 7.17. He makes $3 million a year, which really doesn't seem like a lot of money. But for the Oakland A's, that's like the Yankees paying Jeter. They don't pay anybody money. So like I said before, good teams, you'll see the closer a lot more. So at least you'll kind of get the TCV, the total contract value potentially out of what they are, what you're paying them for, simply because they'll be on the field more because good teams will have leads late. But bad teams won't. Imagine that. So the Oakland A's who never had a lead, nor can they hold one, they just blew three leads in a row in Yankee Stadium all by like four or five plus runs early in the game. Lou, don't call him Lee Trevino, comes on the mound about, I don't know, once a month in that regard. The A's are 25 and 52. They played 77 games. Lou has shown up in 25 of these games. Not all for save opportunities because they're trying to get something out of him because they pay him all this money. The Oakland A's average mid-reliever makes $495,000 a year. This guy makes $3 million. The mid-relievers will play nearly two to three times a week. This guy might not play once a week in a safe situation, which is exactly what you're paying him, the $3 million, to do. So if we break it down and annualize him, he makes $52,631 a game, and that's not even counting the ones that he comes in from mop-up duty, not to do what he's paid for, which is too close. Clearly, you can see the quandary that I have right here. Clearly, you can see why... We have, no, you can't see that. You will in a second. We have built this to where it's, well, it's a closer. We need him. Do you? Do you? Yeah, you need him. Sure, I'm not, especially on a bad team. No, we don't. We don't have a closer. If I'm the GM of the A's, who's your closer? By committee, we don't have one. The Kansas City Royals went to the World Series one year with a really low payroll, and they lost to, not the Giants, they lost single-handedly to Madison Bumgarner in seven. Oh, I heard the Royals had 50 to one. But I bet on the next year when they beat the Mets in the World Series, they had the lowest collective ERA in a bullpen the major leagues has ever seen. They lost one lead, one lead after the seventh inning with a lead all season. <laughs> if they had the lead after the seventh, bet them live because they're not losing. And they did it collectively. They collected. They closed collectively. They did set up collectively. Why can't this be a blueprint for how to move forward in the future? We do this in any type of sales professional world, right? Duplicate, replicate, repeat, rinse and repeat, but we don't because baseball still stuck in the stupidest, stupidest mentality and they can't get out of park because people can't get away from closer. I could manage baseball better than half. I'm serious. Probably half of these guys. No, you couldn't. Maybe I could and that's a stretch. But at the same time, I would understand right now the dollar value for closer absolutely in no galaxy in any stratosphere out in the universe all the way out to the dual universe and whatever you want to wherever you want to push it does not equate to the money that they make. Now, if I were to construct a contract where I'm going to pay you a bunch of money up front, wing is where this is the only thing in sports 
where you have a lead. It's not like kicker. You bring in kicker to kick, well, you're already behind, okay? Hey, I hope you can make it. We're already losing. But this is the only position in sports where you already have the lead and they're just paying you not to blow it. And the average is not even 65%. How would that translate to the real world and any type of other closing scenario where two-thirds puts you on kind of the upper end of the middle? And what world is that acceptable? Certainly not in the one that I live in, which is the real world. What should translate to pro baseball? But it doesn't. It simply doesn't. Paying these guys to do that is basically like a closer for a horrible company with an inferior product. How does that work? It doesn't work. But yet we do it in baseball. We do. And they'll continue to do it. And it is mind-numbingly stupid. So... If I'm the GM, here's how I set this up. Okay, John Brown, I guess you're pretty good. It looks like you're an average closer, which means I guess we have to pay you because of the league minimum per that position. See the Jimmy Graham tight end wide receiver arbitration and their contract with Sean Payton and Mickey Loomis six years ago. So we have to pay you on the average of what you do and your tenure, four and a half million dollars even though you're only going to really be in 30 to 40 save opportunities a year, and you'll cock on a very vast majority of these, and we're still going to pay you for your failure. However, we're going to do things a little differently. I'm going to pay you a little more. I'm going to give you one more million than what the average is. See, I'm going to give you five and a half million. Why? That's to incentivize you to really do well. Is that going to work? You'll say, sure, yeah, I'll do really well for you, boss. Really well, really well, chief. Okay, great. Only thing is, you're only going to get more lazy like Craig, Krim- Craig-, like Craig Kimbrell in his $43 million contract with three guaranteed. The stupidest thing I have ever seen next to the closer position itself. You're all over the place, Belts, am I? Don't really think I am. Keep up, Chief. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you $1 million more. I'm going to give you $4.5 million. However, however, every single close, you blow, you owe me 50, excuse me, I'm going to give you 1 million, yes, no, I'm right, I'm going to take away $50,000, I'm going to give you that money now, but you're paying me back at the end of the year, plus interest, (laughs) can't throw the interest rate on there, but something tells me if you gave a guy 4.5 million in the course of one year, and he was going to Basically, get that money well or without failing or not. And then you said, I'm taking, let's make it 75000 Let's make it 100000 I don't really care. The point is, it's the only sport where I'm giving you the lead in a manageable, winnable situation in which you, you are the one that's going to cuck everyone and lose the game. So then you lose money. That sounds fair, right? Make it, call it a clawback. Call whatever you want. But I know this, I'd have that set up I'd have that set up because we see that in everyday life. I used to work for a company that did the same thing. You'd forecast your sale. When you got the sale, you'd give a, a, a forecast on the volume of the sale. And then you'd overshoot it because you think you'd be doing a lot better than it did. And then when it came time to pay the piper, they're getting that money back off your next commission. So you best forecast correctly, homie. Well, that got people in line real quick. Actually, before this all happened, I just quit. (laughs) I said, this is absurd. I'm not doing this. I left. I'm marketable. Got a way better job here. Anyway, 
And that's one of the 10 reasons why I left that ridiculous company anyhow. So you can see how in real life we would have things set up like that already with my buddy over here and his software sales. Well, it's not really a clawback, but there is a big gap. You use a, lose a whole year of your life in a sales process that just went to hell. That's certainly a price to pay. Money aside, time more than anything. Good Lord, I'd keep me up at night. But we've just made this to where closer, closer, doesn't have to worry about the only thing you have one job. Get three people out and they still can't do it and they make more money than the guys that actually play four times more than them over the course of a season that have a way more difficult job. And when they fail, they get cut. But when the closer fails, he doesn't. <laughs> it really is. It really is a lot to take in. But imagine if there was like a closer rate for everyday life. In other words, there's this small well, 63 and a half, so six, let's call it 65, 66%. Let's call it that for easy math. Two thirds of the time, you're gonna succeed. What about if that's in your job? Maybe that works. In some sales opportunities, if you're closing two out of three, well, then it becomes a numbers game. Well, hell, if you have, I don't know, 50 opportunities a week and you're closing two thirds of that, pretty damn good, right? But maybe you're not. Maybe it's a longer sales cycle. You don't have the number of opportunities, so it's not a numbers game. It's a chess match, in other words. You need to be very careful of every move you make. My point is, imagine if there was like a closer rate to where you got cut from, let's say, something like being a good father. Can you imagine that? You know, Danny Belts coming home drunk. Got to give the kid a bath. Got to close the day, right? Make dinner. Right? Give, the kid, give the kid a bath, dress her, talk to the wife, spend some quality time, close out the day like a real man. Oh, tough to do that when you're Danny Belts, faking like you're not drunk every single day of your life. Imagine if the closing rate was acceptable there at 65%. Well, that'd be great for me. See, the problem is in real life, the closing rate for that in what's to be effective is 100%. Because there is zero tolerance for that type of behavior. It's not just me and my example of the previous me, and it's not just the examples of baseball or in your sales job, but think about things that are really important in your life right now, right? The relationship with your, even your roommate, or let's say, you know, your father, your mom, particularly your spouse, or more importantly, like I said, your kid. What's the cut rate there? What's the, what's the rate in which you think you can fail a certain amount of time, but still get a new contract, still get paid, still keep your job? I don't know what that number is. And I wasn't clipping at a closing rate of 65%. I'll tell you that. That'd be wildly, wildly... Uh, a little bit above a conservative estimate, to say the least, from my previous dealings. But whether you're a closer in Major League Baseball who hasn't seen his penis in 15 years, looks like he's, I'm not going to get into the size thing. That's not a big deal. What I'm saying is these guys don't look like they're professional athletes, typically. And speaking of which, because I didn't tell you what happened before, and I forgot to, I will one second. Just think about that, if you can think about anything. Because for most of the things I just mentioned you have to close 100% of the time. 
Just like my dad told me a long time ago before I got married, you need to be sure, 100% sure, this is the woman, before he married us, this is the woman you want to marry. Not 99.9, not 96.2, 100%. Okay, 100%. There's no room for the point zero zero one. There's no room there. You have to close every single time, especially in the situations that I was in. I hope you guys know what it is I'm talking about. Once again, be sure and rate, subscribe, and review. Follow us at the Sports Antidote on Instagram. Reach out, touch it, brother. Tell somebody about the Sports Antidote today before we bring on Bro Exotic Sunday night. Yes, I may have had some money. Let me give you a classic example before I walk off the stage here with a mic drop for whatever it's worth. Kenley Jensen, one of the guys I talked about, you know, another guy looks like he can't do 10 push-ups, comes out on the mound after exhausting his run from the bullpen to the... They, they took a commercial break when he started running. They came back and he's like halfway there. His hands are on his knees. He gets to the mound finally. He still has a pepperoni and a couple pieces of, you know, onion and sausage from the pizza he was plowing down in the bullpen, sitting there on his Braves jersey. It's two to nothing. All they got to do is get three. All he has to do to beat his previous team is get three outs. Not too hard, right? Psych. He strikes out the first two people, gets the next guy 0-2, and like anybody in baseball, now what's the fastest way to get walked? Go down 0-2. Unless your name is Max Serger or Verlander or Hader who attack you when you're 0-2. Now he wastes three pitches, then gives up a a single, and then decides he's not going to check the runner, and they know he doesn't do that because he used to play for him. So this guy moonwalks. He doesn't even steal running forward. He turns around and moonwalks to second base. That's how easy that steal was. Then the next guy gets a single. Now there's first and third as opposed to it being first and second. So now the double play is still there and you'll take that if you can, right? But then the next guy decides he's going to steal second. Now you have runners in scoring position and the next guy hits a single, of course. (coughs) The game gets tied in the top of the ninth. The Braves cut me in the bottom of the ninth, don't score. Dodgers score one in the top. Of the 10th, the Braves score one, and we go to the 11th inning, and then the better team won the Dodgers. I may or may not have money on this game, but everything that makes me hate closer was everything about how my week ended last week. Kenley Jensen blocked me on Instagram (laughs) because I had some very unique, (laughs) interesting things to say to him on Instagram, but that's okay. (laughs) I hate closers. And we should have a closer payback program. Has anybody seen Bro Exotic? Are you a white person who wants a lot of credit for helping to create racial equality while you do nothing to help create racial equality? If so, that means you want to be a woke white person. So listen up, because I'm going to give you your PhD in wokeology. Bro Exotic joins the sports antidote on more of a somber note. There's nothing funny about what's going on right now, bro. Um, yeah, I'm sorry. I mean, you want to go ahead and lead off here? You want me to jump in? I mean, our, our, our listeners yeah. don't even know yet, but, you know, this just happened. Um, I'll just go ahead and take it. I I heard that while you were out there uh, protesting, the Church of Woke protesting against guns, um, I'm reading now there was a drive-by. Is that is that what I'm hearing? Yeah, dude. Uh Wow. It's uh, it it was really bad, dude. We're just trying to uh, use our American right, our First Amendment right, to protest. Uh, yes, 
yes. in, in favor of gun regulation, dude. And um, we, and had, we had massive I, drive-by. Uh, and I mean, dude, I, I mean, was it was it a bad shooting? I mean, was it just one or what? No, shooting. No, it was uh, drive-by misgendering. Oh, God. Yeah, you, you sucked me in on the text. I, I'm sorry. <laughs> Should have known. No, it's worse. That's worse, uh, dude. We all know that, that words are worse than bullets, dude. Are you kidding me? <laughs> Do you know how many people were misgendered all at once? It was kind of ridiculous, man. We have dozens in the hospital right now seeking major medical attention for one of the worst misgendering massacres in this country's history. I'm sorry. I'm not, I'm, I'm not laughing at you. I'm just trying to, I'm trying to adjust. I'm trying to change speeds here. Okay, you just made a, a hard left. Uh, okay, bro exotic, let's just go with it. Uh, I mean, was... was uh, let's just start from the basis. I mean, were was the woke pope there by chance? Or? Oh yeah, the woke pope was there. Dude. Well, was was he misgendered? He was misgendered like a mug, dude. It wasn't even whoa. like it was ridiculous. I was misgendered, dude. I mean, like, mean, whoa, he, wow, this guy. Oh, no, you, he, oh man, they they pulled the rage out of me, man. They pulled the. Did he know who he me. was mis? Did he know who he was misgendering? Like in a real oh, drive by. Full well that the woke pope. Is not a non-binary transmasculine they them pronoun preferential. He's obviously a non-binary transmasculine they them preferential because he's not obviously. on the neo pronoun spectrum that they them is in, which obviously is custom pronouns for an individual uh, whose gender identity doesn't match with conventional pronouns, but rather the unique pronouns spoken through the essence that they were born with, as opposed to what the doctor told them uh, their gender was at birth. You know, so I mean, that was, it was outrageous <laughs> to mis misgender the woke pope that way, and they went and even said that I uh I majored in asexual dance theory. No, you uh, can I just take this one? We uh, look, and I know for a fact you take this very serious, so I will too. You majored in pansexual. I'm sorry. Yes, we all know this. Pan, I am. I, wait, I'm still pansexual. Pan pansexual dance theory. Yes. So they were telling me that, oh, bro, exotic was actually uh, an asexual dance theory, which is, uh, you know, the science, the dance science that teaches the restriction and suppression of sexual uh, feelings and desires with when uh, <laughs> dance is in motion. But obviously, I don't have a limit to sexual choice with regard to biological sex or gender identity. So this is a travesty, dude. You don't misgender a pansexual as an asexual. This ought to be a law. This ought to be a crime. It's definitely a hate crime. The biggest misgendering massacre in U.S. history. Wow. Was anyone else caught? And the, was there like people also caught in the misgendering? There might have been friendly fire. I don't know, dude. I don't know what kind of pansexuals and non-binary gender queers are driving by. They might have had stray bullets go their way, too. Wow. Uh, words are worse than bullets in some cases. And I think this this is one. The Church Awoke um, we will be obviously there'll be an official statement. Uh, do I even need to go to finding this person or not me? But obviously he is on pending cancel review. Something has to happen, right? Well, depending on they, them, they, them, what they identify as. Yes, we need to find these wokeophobics and we need to cancel them to death. Yikes. Well, I don't think I've ever heard. I don't think I've ever heard of canceling someone to death. Um, that is, uh, yeah, you are not happy right now, bro. No, and I, I I apologize. I thought this was uh, just a mainstream drive-by shooting, run-of-the-mill, or drive-by misgendering. misgendering. 
Um, I'm sorry, dude. I'm, I, I was, I wasn't laughing so hard. I started hiccuping. You just caught me, but uh, I, I mean, Troy, you, you gonna, no, just like you're gonna be okay. True blood in true blood when they were giving people the true death. When we find this, when we find Zay, Zay Zem or them, they, they are going to get the canceled death. The canceled, the true death, the canceled death. We're gonna have to talk about what that is on the next episode. But you're gonna be okay, bro. I'm, we're a little worried about you right now. You're not gonna do anything uh, masculine. You're not gonna well, demonstrate toxicity or anything right we can't have that well i'm i'm uh i'm very triggered right now but not yeah. enough to to get a gun trigger right uh, you know not one of those not one of those triggers dude but i'm just i'm triggered the head right now triggered in the uh in the soul uh <sighs> i don't gender you can't misgender like that dude and we're we don't know if these uh if these members of this church are gonna uh make it through but we'll uh we'll, we'll see I hope they are. The misgendering has, has really caused a nasty case of the hiccups for your host here. Uh, I haven't had that since I was about 11. Uh, but uh, we'll hope you're okay, bro. And uh, you'll get through this. Just uh, say, say you know, a couple of hell Fauci's, maybe about 126 hell Fauci's. You should be okay. Maybe a blessing by the Woken Pope could be the icing on the cake to make this all go away with impending cancel review to death. Um, bro, I do feel for you. And I'm not trying to segue too hard, but before we go, your Church of Woke edition for the summer is a major hit amongst the listeners. You are going to give us the entire, is this going to limit, like, is this going to take away from us? Like, are you still going to give us the entire edition? Oh, yeah, dude. I mean, you know. I'm good. Uh, Joe, uh, Joe Rogan, he has a podcast, and he, he also does comedy on the side, dude. So, I mean, like, I'm sure I can find some time. I know we're really busy here with the show. Uh, but we're going to keep cracking them out, dude. We're going to crank yep. out album after album. Uh, uh, there's nothing funny about this album, though, bro. No, it's there's nothing funny about it, dude. We just nothing need funny. To get everyone, serious. Just need everyone to get down with the wokeness. <laughs> and, uh, down with the wokeness. I like it. That's all, all right, well, bro. You're the man, dude. Thanks for jumping in here, and I, I, I we'll, be, we'll be praying for you. Uh, this is a tough time for the Church of Woke. Uh, tough time for me getting through these hiccups here. You really nailed me. Um, uh, hiccups of sorrow, not, not laughter. <laughs> Yeah. Well, bro, thanks, thanks for jumping on the sports antidote, bro. Anything you want to close with? <laughs> I'm glad this is one big joke to you, belts. But uh, yeah, not, dude, if you can, uh, if you can keep us in your woke prayers, um, you know, our Fauci, uh, our Fauci knows the science, dude, and hollow be his name. Uh, we, we will be praying uh, for sure, dude. And uh, no joke, stay woke. Hopefully, uh, all will be well next week, dude. Stay woke, bro. All right, man. Cheers. <laughs> Thanks for joining the Sports Antidote, episode number 106 with your boy here, Danny Belts, the Closer Payback Program. Belts, you're all over the place. I don't really think I was. That was more organized chaos. I actually had some pretty good notes there. Did I go off the track? I always go off the rails. That's why you listen. Reach out, touch your brother. Tell somebody about the Sports Antidote. Follow us on Instagram, at the Sports Antidote. Thanks to Bro Exotic. Thanks to the head coach of the LSU Tigers previously, Coach Ed Ogeron. Be sure and tune in next week. Keep it real, Anna Dotons!